Go Birds Radio, presented by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. Official sportsbook of the real Philly fan. What's going on? It's Elliot Shore Parks for my friends at Window Nation. And if you've had enough of your windows keeping the house chilly, then fight the February cold with Window Nation. Right now, replace your windows and save big with 50% off all window styles, plus zero down, zero interest, and no payments for 24 months. With proven quality and service, it's no wonder thousands have trusted Window Nation. Don't miss out. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to schedule your free in-home estimate. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It is a cloudy, overcast, very fall-like Saturday afternoon. It is BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. I am John Barchard. I am joined by the editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. Of course, Jack Fritz, the host of the CounterPoint podcast and also producing this fine program. John Johnson on the updates. One man is missing, but uh, not really missing. So he's alive, he's well, and you will hear him at 3 o'clock with Tank down live from the ballpark. Uh, leading you uh, up to the Phillies. That is James Seltzer, who's not with us today. But, Brandon Lee Gowton, what is happening, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good, John. This this is a great time of year. I love the weather. I love that we're talking football. But I don't love some of the criticisms of Doug Peterson that are going on, which is a little tease, I guess, for what we have to talk about today. Oh, no. You are opening up Pandora's box. But I feel the same way. (laughs) So 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 not really. And, And this is where I have... And and that's the thing. I'm still way up in the air with Doug Peterson, what he's going to do, what he's going to be able to be. I just feel like after this week, and this is like the second time in Doug Peterson's career that we as a fan base, as a media, as, you know, just everything in general have talked about a play that didn't matter in the, in the <laughs> outcome of a football game. We've talked about fourth and eight for a long time. Like it's almost fourth and 26 right at this point. I feel like it's in the, it's in the same kind of atmosphere because we've been talking about it so much. I'm, I'm not here to talk about that, but it's also that the two-point conversion from last season with the, in, a, in a game that also didn't matter. We were trying to just, you know, go out and win a football game, put some confidence into your rookie quarterback. That got talked about a lot forever. I feel like we, are, we get so focused on one play, and that kind of blows up into like, this is why Doug Peterson is not a good head coach. I don't know it, where he's going to fit on the spectrum, but I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit for. And... Listen, I think there's a lot of political things going on in that front office, even in his own coaching staff. It's why you have the rotation of so many different guards going on, which baffles me, and the right guy's actually playing in the right position for once. I don't really know how that happened. It seems like they, that he doesn't have control of a lot of things that happen on the field. But besides all that, if you look at what he's done with 
this particular offense and with Carson Wentz, I would say he's done more a, a better job than he has done a worse job. And I and and people seem to not like that. Well, first of all, John, how dare you? Yeah, seriously. How dare you even I say apologize. that? Um, but for real. Look at Doug Peterson and what you just said there, John, and what do we remember? What what are the things that get pointed out the most? They're the mistakes, and that's fine. I'm not saying you can't criticize Doug Peterson. He's he's certain, it's certainly fair game to do that. I think there's times to do that. But if you're going to be fair about it, and I, I guess you don't have to be fair. No one's saying you have to be fair. <laughs> but I feel like people there should be some more fairness going around when it comes to criticizing Doug because he doesn't get any credit for the things that he does do well. Yeah, literally none. Actually. None. Yeah. And look at that. That's crazy. They won the game. Part of the reason they won the game against the New York Giants is because Doug Peterson drew up a good play call to get the Eagles into that 61-yard field goal range. And not only that, Doug went for the field goal. Not, I mean, you could say, well, any coach would have done that. I'm not so sure. Ben McAdoo. Go for the Hail Mary instead? Or? Yeah, some coaches might go for the Hail Mary. Ben McAdoo might punt. Actually, <laughs> there in that situation, knowing him. But uh, yeah, I, I so I think it's not only... I'm not saying you can't criticize Doug. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that he doesn't get enough credit for the things he does do, including in that game, two fourth downs that they went for and both led to touchdown drives. Yeah, I'll, I'll take 66% of fourth down conversions throughout the entire year if that keeps up. That's great. Sure, there's down and distances, whatever. I, I just can't believe that in a town that loves being yes. aggressive... That loves going after Smash things. mouth football. Suddenly wants to run the football 25 times a game, be very conservative, Soft. and just punt the ball, and then also just, wait, did we turn into a mid-level college football team? Do you think Buddy Ryan came through here and was just like, hey, Buddy, uh, you got a chance to step on the throats of your opponents, especially in a division game here. Uh, do you want to just try and see if you can do that, or should you just be concerned? Can you imagine Buddy Ryan just going like, yeah, let's just punt the football. <laughs> we would have loved it. We would have loved it with anybody else here. And we loved it with Chip Kelly. We did. For a year, at least. And we he didn't loved even it. do it. He was a and, fraud. Yeah, afterwards, he didn't even do it. He 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 puckered up, too, and, and decided to go play the conservative route, which was a terrible idea because he's no longer here anymore. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't care if it's – I don't think it was ever presented in a way that – Doug Peterson is an aggressive head coach, and he's going to be that way. When he first came in here, everybody had, oh, my goodness, we finally have a guy that just understands the temperament of, of the NFL, and and there was almost kind of like he's going to be a, a conservative football coach. Didn't it have that feel when he first came in here? It was almost like we didn't know anything, really. Yeah. It was just like, we just kind uh, of put what, all our what own are we supposed to? Well, the thing that people did feel about Doug coming into here is a bias against him, I think, and that was fair. We were very critical of Doug, or at least the hiring process that led up to the Eagles hiring Doug, and I, I, we still feel that way. We still don't feel great about how that whole hiring process went down. So I definitely have those reservations about Doug as well, and I think that's that's where I think a lot of this criticism comes from, is the fact that people didn't like Doug in the first place, so that now when he does something that they deem as dumb, they jump all over him. Chip Kelly did not get that same kind of criticism. Everyone was willing to give Chip the benefit of the doubt, and you could say, well, that's because he was good in college, and that's because he had a track record. Okay, but it's a total double standard because Doug doesn't get any credit for what he does, and Chip was defended, and I was one of the people defending him. We were yeah. some of the people defending him when he, he did things wrong. So I just think that's an unfair double standard, 
And I think it's hypocritical. And maybe that's my problem, too, because I always defend the head coach a lot more than I probably should. Uh, And there's never enough. And this isn't specific to this particular general manager, even though he definitely deserves some. But, you know, the the focus is never on that, the guy who hired him, the talent that's put around him, the the circle. I mean, look at what Doug Peterson's been able to do with a a guy that could not play left guard for two weeks. (laughs) Right? And, And probably if they had... Wisniewski in there during the Chiefs, maybe things go a little bit different. Maybe, there. yeah. Because there isn't, uh, you know, Wentz doesn't get sacked on a, on a play which has wide open wide receivers and the slants, the uh, the screens, those were all kind of wide open. And you could point to Isaac Salomalo being part of, of, of two of those huge problems there. Uh, also, on your fourth safety, you are able to still win a game, just like you were saying, against the divisional opponent. And maybe that's kind of an excuse that... You know, hey, well, you know, you can't have uh, they barely beat the Giants because they're in division. But I'm going to go with that for the time being because we see that all the time. You saw that with San Francisco and Seattle. Jeff Fisher did that uh, to the Seahawks as well. Every time the Rams were always terrible, but for some reason they always played played them really, really well. So, you know, like through through what he's had to deal with, and he's again he won seven games with one of the most historically bad wide receiving cores we've ever seen in this town. And yes, that includes Thrash and Pinkston and Nate Brown and, and Reggie Brown and everybody that else that we can think of through that time period. He was still able to do that with a rookie quarterback on eight days' notice to go in there and do it. So I just, and, and, and again, when we talk about these things, it sounds like, oh my God, why are you defending Doug Peterson? He's not that great of a coach. I agree. We both agree. Right. I don't think, I compared it on the podcast. He's Shake Shack. <laughs> like it is a very satisfying burger, but at the same time, you're going like, all right, now what's next? I need, I need that extra little cushion from my tummy. I need the milkshake. I need to, you know, keep piling it on there. And that's no disservice to Shake Shack because it's delicious. And love I love Shake Shack. It. Uh, but I just, I just feel like it's, it's, it's there. And I, I'm confused on why, it, what it is exactly that people do or don't like Doug Peterson. Eight 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 seven two nine ninety four ninety four. Let's go to Daryl in East Norton. Daryl, what's going on, buddy? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Great topic, great program, and I appreciate the passion, you know, where you guys are trying to step up and and say, okay, he's not great, but... And here's the thing. I actually want to support Doug, and last year I did, but there's certain things that are just real head-scratchers, and let me preface by saying this. Is it safe to say that this will... that Doug Peterson continues being a head coach in the National Football League, that the Eagles will not be his only job in his entire career. Yeah, I mean, assuming that he kind of moves on and then picks up somewhere else, is that where your point is? Yes. Yeah, I would I would probably say he gets another gig here, depending on what happens for the rest of the season, yes. Okay, so whether he's here five years, whether he's here ten years, whether he's here just this year, this won't be his only stop. I don't understand how a head coach in the National Football League could allow somebody on his staff to be deciding who the running back is that goes in on a play call. How do you make the play call without knowing who the personnel is going to be on the run? That's number one. So I don't understand how he can call a play and then how after the fact Deuce can decide who's going in for that call. Just to, just, to, just so you know, that they did a lot with, I mean, that was Chip Kelly. They did the same thing. I yeah. think he got the same criticism. He would say it all the time. It's Deuce sense. running the guys uh, through okay. there. The situation with, who's, who's deciding who's playing on the offensive line? 
week to week. That's I mean, my question. It's that, <laughs> because is Jeff Statlin deciding who's going in, or is it Howie Roseman? And again, if you see yourself as a head coach in the National Football League, you don't take this BS from your front office. You go to the owner and say, look, I'm either the coach or I'm not the coach. The GM is free to make any personnel moves he wants to make. But week to week, I've got to be able to decide who's playing at what position, obviously with the input of my coaches. So I've got a yeah, problem D- with D- that. Daryl, Daryl, I got you know what's funny? I told that exact same thing to Brandon before we came off the air. It's a really good point. We appreciate the call. I That's the thing I want to see, and I don't know what's happening in between there. Like That to me looks like a fight between Stoutland and Howie and not anywhere else. And to your point, Brandon, what did you tell me? I don't think that's Doug. Like, what's Doug? You can say, like, Doug should go to Lurie. But, like, Lurie doesn't have to change anything. He can say, oh, no, that's cute, Doug. Like, go back to drawing up the game plan or whatever. Like, that's not make his. Some plays. That's ultimately Lurie or Howie Roseman's responsibility. They have more power than Doug. I can't blame Doug for, like, what's he supposed to do? Like, he, you, I get what he, And that was a good call from Daryl. He made yeah. some really good points. Absolutely. And I appreciate him for saying the nice things about our, our fine program here. But... I just don't know what Doug is supposed to do about that. I can't hold that against him is my point. I, I just don't know why he's the one who's supposed to be like, oh, I can fix this. I just And then Laurie's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and just it'll be it'll, yeah. Yeah, it'll totally fine. It's all, yeah, it's we're all, good now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's where I, I always thought that the problem with removing Chip Kelly initially when he got fired was they were going to go back and be like, well, you know, we did give a head coach an enormous amount of power, which was a huge mistake. Yes. And now we can never kind of do that again. 180. And, and it's a complete 180. So you have this type of different infighting. I, and, and we're all assuming, too, that Doug Peterson wanted Wiz in there to begin with. I don't know, but you just have to funny, you know, go with the money trail. He was one of the first guys that was signed to an extension to be there. So I don't know if that was whiz i don't know if that was whatever but the the more interesting thing about this whole thing and i've been bitching about it all week and i'm going to continue to because it frustrates the hell out of me how did chance warmack become a flyer on a one-year deal and then all of a sudden just getting an extension a part of that like we should have recognized that and went and gone oh that's like he's probably going to get started or maybe start or somebody's forcing the issue there how does that happen how do you go from let's see what this guy has to immediately giving him a uh, an extension before one snap of real football is played. He goes from getting outplayed by Dallas Thomas, who I thought probably looked better than him and has more versatility, a uh, former draft pick by the Dolphins, who yeah. can also play tackle. And I think Dallas Thomas looked better, but they kept Chance Wormack, okay. And not only did they keep Chance Wormack, but they gave him an extension, and then they gave him an extension, and then they put him as a healthy scratch. <laughs> So what's, what what's are we doing? On? And then not only that, and then they put him from healthy scratch to starter, although starter in that, that's what made the whole Sumalo thing even more confusing. I get that. Like he's a ghost now. He yeah, doesn't exist. Yeah, and, and it's like he, this was a guy that you had so much confidence in that you cut Alan Barber. I know they traded him, but they cut him first before right. they were willing to Correct. trade him. They only got a conditional seventh. So that's the literally the least amount of thing you can get for him. So they, they were so confident in Sumalo 
But then they just all of a sudden now he's not even in the picture. It was and they didn't. It wasn't like well we benched Sumalo because we have Wisniewski here and Wisniewski is playing awesome. Like we feel really good about that guy. It was like no, they benched him for a rotation and one guy isn't even good and the other guy. And I think part of the problem with that rotation, I don't think the Eagles really want Wiz at guard, and not just because of the political thing. I think they feel he's a center. Yeah, so I, I feel like they feel like he's a center playing out of position there. So that whole situation is really just. And I think. What it the, the 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 disconnect there and the confusion is that Stoutland probably has too much say. Yeah, and that's where like there's no other way to look at that and go like, oh yeah, he doesn't. He clearly does. He's making all those calls over there. So and maybe to Daryl's point, I don't I don't know. I think I think it's pretty common for a running back coach to put in whoever they're rotating with. They're in constant communication with like we're going with this guy. I'm I'm pulling him out. He's coming back in. Um, maybe for certain things, I don't know. Maybe Doug says. Hey, we need, you know, give me, give me LeGarrette. We're going to stuff it in here. I, I think that as a head coach, you need to be able to trust all those different things. And, and uh, I, you know, I don't know what Frank tells him. At the, I don't know what anybody d- does throughout that process when he's the one calling all the different plays and, and just getting things rolling. There's a lot going on. So I, I don't think that's a huge problem. Let's go to Ben in Virginia real quick. Ben, what's going on, pal? How are you? Oh, good. Like your show. Thanks, it's, Ben. Uh, first time I've tuned it in. It's very interesting. Appreciate it, bud. Hey. Yeah, I wanted to weigh in. Good topic on uh, Peterson. Uh, I looked at uh, McAdoo and, and uh, Doug first year. You know, they they broke in the first year together. And and I look at the two teams, and there's no comparison as far as discipline, uh, as far as just wanting to get out there and play and have that winning spirit. Because I remember games against Detroit and Tampa Bay for the Eagles, and it was hard to watch. <laughs> yes. It was really hard to watch. And do they have more talent in the defensive backfield? I mean, with the injuries, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'd say maybe not. What, you're talking about the, the Giants secondary? No, I'm talking about the Eagles. Oh, the secondary. Eagles secondary. Back when, you remember where receivers were just roaming 20 yards open? and Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, big time. Awful. It was awful. Tampa first... Bay and Detroit and all those Now games. I got you. Yeah, seven years of that, too, Ben. It's not like it yeah. was just that, – that's what I'm saying. They never they never really fixed that and addressed that position right up until, you know, this this year. And even then, it's kind of been a, a little bit under scrutiny, which is kind of still weird to me. But I understand because there's, there's but, not a but there's not running back. have, you know, and, and just looking at it from a 50,000-foot level – you look at these two coaches that broke in at the same time, and you know I listen to the morning show all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had this cat on that said Peterson's the worst coach ever. Well, he sure looked like he put a better product on the field than McAdoo ever did. And that the week before McAdoo's team, their tight end cost them big time against the Lions because they had scored a touchdown. Oh, he had a catch in his hands. And, yeah. Right, right. He put his hands in an inappropriate place. I won't mention it on the radio, but they kicked it out of bounds. And with all the penalties, I think uh, Detroit took over to 45, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not something that's an isolated case, not just with, you know, obviously Beckham's got a problem, right? Oh, but, sure. Yeah, and, and he got uh, in, in a big fine, too, and we appreciate the call, Ben. But uh, we'll get more into that, too. Because uh, that, that's also kind of weird to me. But uh, I, we were asking, why do or don't you want 
or like Doug Peterson here. We're just trying to figure out where, where the actual criticism lies. It's BJN Radio. It's right here at Sports Radio 94 WIP. The Chargers play in a 27,000-seat soccer stadium in L.A. and can't even fill half of it. That's not a joke. That's just mean. Here the Eagles-Chargers game here. Sunday at 4.05 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. You know, it gets asked way too much with this team that the Eagles are going to face with the Chargers here and moving to Los Angeles. But, like, it is, I, I can't imagine what that feels like for a fan base, and let alone just their squad altogether. And I, you, you had a conversation with one of the uh, Chargers writers on SB Nation, which you can go check out at bleedinggreennation.com. What was he saying about how this is happening in the move and and just how everybody's feeling in the fan base alone. Yeah, I talked to one of the writers from uh, Bolts from the Blue, which is the Chargers equivalent of BTN, and they that, they were not too optimistic about the game as a whole, and especially when I asked him about that quote-unquote home field advantage, he pretty much said there is none at all. And then he, he also said that he would be shocked if there is less than 40% of Eagles fans wow. there on Sunday. So this is this is not insignificant. Like this is a like usually when you you think about, you know, it's a road game or something, usually the the crowd is tough or usually maybe it's like neutral like kind of like Washington. No, like this could actually be like a home field disadvantage for the Chargers. Tumbleweeds in the stands and then Eagles fans. That's how I feel cuz like there's no one in LA that cares about this team. And not, there's there shouldn't be. Yeah. And they're I, not an LA team. They barely care about the Rams and they have somewhat of a history there. Yeah. You know, and but it's it's been too far to, for them for them to really even care. And there's been a lot of talk this week that they actually might end up moving back to San Diego. I don't really know if San Diego wants them. I think they're just done. So maybe maybe the Chargers need to become, I don't know, <laughs> go, go back to St. Louis. I, I have no I have no idea, but like I can't imagine just because when the Rams moved, at least you had the coaching staff together. At least there was some continuity when you were going to be there. Uh, and you waited to hire the next guy until everything was settled and Jeff Fisher really, really was awful. That was pretty much the whole hold up there. It's like, all right, if we're going to move then and you want the continuity there, I need the extra money. I think that's basically the deal that they had. And now they're coming into this thing with Anthony Lynn, who... I mean, it, it's interesting to me because I thought he was a shoe in for the Buffalo gig. And it kind of tells you things like sometimes when you look at situations, when you look at the Browns and Terrell Pryor, and they're like, well, we're going to let him go. That was a red flag to me a little yeah. bit, even though it's the Browns. So you're going, oh, man. And then you see his market value at like seven, eight million dollars, and you kind of see it being very up and down in Washington. You're like, okay. And maybe that's what happened to Anthony Lynn here, too, where, you know, he's been an assistant head coach. Pretty much everywhere he's gone, a running back coach everywhere he's gone, and now he's just he's got the the tail end of Philip Rivers, an organization that really doesn't care about mid round draft picks, uh, an organization that fought its best one of its best players right now uh, for a holdout contract. Like it is an abysmal franchise, and I I welcome all of the San Diegans uh, to join Philadelphia if you want to. Like you you should have jumped ship a long time ago. I'm surprised that you. They held up this long. And they might be. Uh, as I was talking to that guy, he pretty much said, uh, not him specifically, but there are a number of Chargers fans rooting for this team actively to fail. Yes. And because Dean Spanos did a terrible thing by moving that he played team. played chicken and he lost. 
The whole concept didn't make any sense. Moving the Rams back to L.A. is at least somewhat exciting because it's like, oh, hey, football is back in L.A. Maybe that's at not... the Coliseum, right back where it used to be. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's at least like something. This with the Chargers, they were in L.A. and I didn't really even know this before this year. I looked it up and I was like, they were only in L.A. for one season yeah. before moving to San Diego. And then they were down there, and then the interest in the team down there wasn't even super high. So why are you going to move it to L.A. when there's already a team there now? And the Ram- Like, what's the intrigue with this team? There's none. And I think, you know, it's not like uh, the fans are suiting up, but I think that lack of support, I think it has to have some kind of impact on the players. I mean, you're going out. And the product, too. In front of, yeah, absolutely. You're going out in front of this crowd, and there's nothing there to even get you juiced up. Who are you even playing for? I mean, you're playing for your paycheck, but, like, there's no, like, extra energy to draw from. But when you when Philip Rivers is taking an RV from San Diego to Los Angeles because of his kids and look, I would do the same thing. But like, dude, I'm not. That's where you remember all those trade rumors with Philip Rivers like being on the block and not wanting to be there. That's all. That's all this situation. They knew it was happening. He knew it was happening, and there was no way that he was going to get out of this thing without a humongous paycheck. This is BGN Radio. We are here with you until three o'clock. I'm John Barchard. That is Brandon Lee Gowton, and we have also just trying to. Figure out why is or why is not Doug Peterson your favorite person in the world right now? You know, I, I and 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 just more or less like we don't exactly know what Doug Peterson is going to be. I think he's a guy that if he has enough talent around him, he's going to be a play caller that will can get you farther on down the road. I think he can win you a couple of playoff games if everything's set up and if Carson Wentz is it really evolves into that franchise quarterback that we all hope he's going to be, but. For right now, I just think that there is there is a ton of different criticism. And really, as Brandon has pointed out multiple times, absolutely no credit when things do go correctly and in favor of, you know, I don't know, winning football games. 888-729-9494. Let's go to Mike in Kennett Square. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good. So I just wanted to bring up, and you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about uh, nobody gives Doug any credit for the stuff that he does well. Um or at least you don't see it. But it's almost expected from him, I guess, in our eyes, just because he came in with so much hype around him and uh, he started off pretty well, I would say. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, when you look at his play calling, um, I'm personally a fan of the pass game. Uh, I'm, I guess what you would consider your stereotypical like 20-year-old fan, like enjoying the pass, love to see a downfield play. Absolutely. And, like, Give me those air yards, baby. Let's court. rock and roll. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I look for in a game, and I love to see it. I love that about him. He's always willing to take shots downfield. My only issue is, and this is, again, coming from a fan who loves to see the pass, he just doesn't know when to like put his foot down and say, you know what, we're pounding the ball down, like, down your throat. We're running the ball. We're putting two tight ends on the field, bringing in extra line, linemen, and we're just going to pound it until you stop it. Well, Mike, to be, to be, but I, and I get what you're saying, uh, he has done that. <laughs> they have yeah. done. They've gone. They've gone. You know, the double tackle and double tight end and on Sunday. Uh, yeah, and they did that on yeah. Sunday, and they did it well. They tried to do it against. They they did that against Washington, and it wasn't that effective either. Uh, and okay. Le, I, Legarrette sorry, Blunt sorry, actually sorry. had a I don't know an okay game in Washington. I guess you know for for right. what it, for for him anyway, and what we're <laughs> what we're considering yeah. okay yeah, on a, on a spectrum here. But I think yeah. honestly, I think that a lot of it, and you saw it, and this was kind of the question leading into last week. Is it the offensive line or is it the running backs? And right. I think more yeah. or less, like, okay, it's that guard position. It's definitely, it's definitely getting better. That's for sure. Like, I've definitely know, like that last game, last game against the Giants was a perfect example. 
But Garrett Blunt started getting a little bit of momentum going. And instead of pulling him out, they left him in. They let him run. Um, I don't know if it was just me, like, kind of seeing a running back start to break through a little bit and wanting to see more of him. Um, but it definitely seems like he started to give it more of, a, more of a chance, give the running game more of a chance to develop. And hopefully against the Chargers, um, seeing as the defense is a little banged up, they want to try and possess the ball more, hopefully – he uh, keeps the ball in Blunt's hands or gives yeah, it to the running back. Absolutely, Mike, and, and we appreciate the call, buddy. I think that you can do anything you want to this Chargers team. That's the beauty of it. You can run on them. You can pass on them. Pass will set up the run. Run will set up the pass. They're uh, not good <laughs> against the run at all. They've uh, The Chiefs have, have shown that. The Broncos have shown that. Everybody, they, they, even Washington, it, is, it has been a, a train wreck for these guys, and that's uh, the same as their offensive line is always the same as their run defense, too. It's abysmal, and you can take advantage of it. The Giants rank last in the NFL against defending the the, the run in terms of rushing yards allowed per game. The second-to-last team is your Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> so I think this is definitely another week where they should at least be able to run the ball with some efficiency. Losing Darren Sproles hurts a lot, and I think maybe that's we haven't even talked about that enough. I mean, that's, that's a big loss. He's one of their best offensive players. They're pretty much their best running back when you account for receiving and, and everything that he can do in the in that, those aspects. So I, I think that's a big loss. But I think Smallwood, you know, this is his chance to step up. He showed me some a lot more than he showed in the first two weeks uh, against the Giants, so that's a positive sign. I did love seeing Legarrette Blunt just bowl over. Oh, that's always DRC. Fun. Like that's awesome. Yeah, like, of and 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 if that's working, great, go to it. But you know, you can't. I don't. It's not suddenly going to be the bread and butter of this team. Like that's just not realistic. They ran it thirty nine times against the Giants. I don't expect that a ton moving forward. That's insane. That's yeah, that's an a insane lot. amount of times. And look, that doesn't mean they won the football game that way. They didn't. Right. The the things that set up those points were the PI calls. That, and that was yeah. kind of frustrating to watch because, you know, I know we're all looking for that deep ball. It's going to come. It Hopefully. really is. better. And, and I had to go back and look at it again because I was like, I know for a fact that Carson Wentz did not have this issue coming into the league. And I went through the, the, the QB, uh, the Gruden QB camp, and they even explained it's just got a really accurate deep ball that really hits. And I was like, think about practice. Yeah, what and it's in there. Practice. It yeah. is there. And I just don't understand the, the formula. Maybe he needs to sacrifice a life chicken before the game. I don't know what it is. Or, you know, Kentucky Fried's okay, too, as they, <laughs> as they showed you in Major League. But it just needs to connect at some point, And I think that'll make everybody feel better, which also, in turn, helps those running backs a little bit, too, with a... Uh, what do you what do you call the offensive line right now? Is it decent? Is it is it good? I I, I kind of lean on okay, better, better. <laughs> I would say better certainly with Wiz in there and and you have to give a lot of credit to both Lane Johnson and uh, Jason Peters. I think they played great games against the Giants and now this is a big test for them because those defensive ends on the Chargers. I know we're talking uh, kind of like not taking the Chargers super seriously in the sense yeah. of like they're not the super threatening team. But those guys are no joke, Joey Bosa. And Melvin Ingram, who's the defensive player of the month in the AFC, 5.5 sacks through three games. That's the one area that does concern me. Absolutely. And you can say, well, there's Lane Johnson, there's Jason Peters, but let me tell you, folks, you haven't seen these guys. Well, maybe you have. I don't know. But those dudes are for real. And I think the best way to do that is, well, I'm going to tell you after the break because I, I I have some ideas on how to counteract that. It's BGN Radio, 888-729-9494, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 
<laughs> we got the NFC lease coming up in just a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes. As uh, we uh, like to go around and, and uh, see all the, the, the banter, the faller, the, fo- the, the follies, all that stuff uh, as we're going through here. Uh, but we are talking about, and we'll get to your phone calls in, uh, in just a little bit, do you or don't you like Doug Peterson? And, and, and we can't figure out why on, on either. Like, we, you should have kind of an opinion on him, uh, but I, I, can't, I can't nail anything down quite yet. I think it's easier just to go on the – you know what's funny, too, is I, the people can keep poo-pooing a lot of the negative stuff that, is, that have come out about, you know, is, is somebody trying to grab that coaching position? Is Schwartz trying to line them all up? That's still in everybody's head, regardless if you believe it or not. And I'm astounded. That when that came out, everybody banded together for like ten minutes and said, "Hey, hey, hey! Don't you can't say that about Doug Peterson. He's not the most unqualified coach ever." And then you get into one week in the season, that's that's gone. Fire Doug. Fire Doug immediately. So like, where where are you at here? I'm, uh, it's completely baffling to me. We'll get into it, but right now it is time for the NFC least. The follies, the screwballs, and the screw ups. It's BGN Radio's NFC Least on Sports Radio 94 WIP. All right, welcome to the NFC Least, where we go around the NFC and absolutely roast the rest of our teams in the NFC East. Let's start with the Cowboys, John. Uh, oh, hey, did you, Brandon, did you know that Dak Prescott's back because he threw 18 freaking passes? Why is no one talking about Dak Prescott, the best quarterback in the world? He needs no running game. He needs no offensive line. It's all on him. Did you know that? He's he's the best quarterback that I've ever seen in my life. Taking on the the one of the worst teams ever. Not ever, but it's the Arizona Cardinals. How does Dak Prescott keep getting so much credit even though he's throwing 18 passes a game? 18 passes. Unbelievable. All right, let's go check out what's going on in New York and that dumpster fire. Well, you know, they're staring down the barrel 0-4. And I can't believe their only saving grace is a third-round pick in Davis Webb. Davis Webb. That's it. That's all that they've done to, to to solidify their future. Not the offensive line. Not a running back. They pay an extraordinary amount of money for a secondary that, hey, turns out it's pretty good. And it doesn't matter because the guy that's running your offense and ran it well for three years suddenly can't run the offense. And Eli Manning still sinks. Phillip Rivers, still a better quarterback. They won that trade despite San Diego not having success, and I will stick to that. All right, John. Uh, how about those Redskins? Well, let me tell you. All right, they had a pretty good week. They had a pretty good week. But ah! still racist. And finally, we check out our Eagles. Uh, and- now, now, this is this this was an, an extra. I was going to go Gruget Hill here again because I feel like He's throwing Gatorade all over the place. He's carrying people off. He's pumping everybody up. But Jack Fritz, uh, you you found this one. <laughs> you found this one on the Counterpoint podcast, and now I can't get it out of my head. You know, a team's quarterback has a lot of responsibility. The team depends on him when he's on the field. However, parents have the greatest responsibility of all. Sex is great, but only between people who are married to each other. It's an awesome thing to create a new life. <laughs> That is your offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles telling you that sex is indeed great, sex is great and wait for marriage. Now, there is nothing wrong with the message, but now it is ruined sex for me because every time that I'm going to be very intimate, I'm going to have Frank Reich's saying sex is great and I can't get it out of my head. So the Eagles have just ruined 
That for me. Shut it down. Can't believe it. I, that is, that's how, where was that from, Jack, by the way? How long ago was that? Uh, it had to be like 80s because I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it was really? founded by at Jerry the Az Man on Twitter. Shouts to him. After uh, the former Eagles, was he offensive line coach? Defensive line. Defensive line coach. Amazing. That's amazing to me. <laughs> I just love how there's there. no transition from like, you know, sports is important. Like being a quarterback is important. <laughs> Sex is great. It's like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. what whoa, just where, happened there? Where, where are we going here? So it's pretty amazing to me. 888-729-9494. Let's go to Joel. What's going on, Joel? How are you? You're on BGN Radio. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. This is Joel from Raleigh. Hey, what's going no. on, pal? Hey, I've been listening to you guys since, I think, episode five back in Chip Kelly's first year. You guys awesome. do such a great job. Well, I apologize, whole... I apologize ahead of time for all the uh, all the takes that you had to go through and bear, but we appreciate it, buddy. Thank oh, you yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Brandon Brandon was saying from the beginning that Foles wasn't really all that back when everyone thought he That's was right. like, Thank the you. greatest thing ever. So he I was give Brandon credit for that. Thank you. Yeah. 27-2, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about Alshon Jeffrey and Jarek Barnett. Sure. Yeah. What's on your mind with them? Uh, to me, this week should be Jeffrey's kind of like big coming out party, I think, because the first three weeks he's gone up against, you know, three of the better cornerbacks in the league. And I think now it's time for him to start, you know, making that making that money he got in the offseason. Yeah, it's. I still think that he uh, really does affect a lot of the defenses that they've played so far. And, and again, it's been two really tough secondaries in a row. Um, and still produced a, a good amount against the Chiefs. I think that's it, it's there. And again, like you know, if if Wentz hits him last week in that you know, for a touchdown, we're not we're not talking about the yards and the production, and certainly not uh, going into Elliott Short Parks and saying that Jordan Matthews is, oh, is better God. producing, and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think it's I think it's still there. It's just not showing up on the stat sheet yet. And uh, with Derek Barnett, you know, I'm just waiting for him to do something. I was really excited when they drafted him because, you know, everyone was saying that he'd be able to come in and contribute right away. But I'm just waiting for that. I'm just waiting for that big first sack he, he's going to get. Yeah, and it's, just, it's the same for him, too, because we, we imagined, like, okay, the Giants are a perfect way to do that. They actually ended up doubling him most of the game there, too. Like, they were chipping with tight end, then it went to tackle, and then running back was coming up there to make sure. So, that's still pretty good attention that a that a rookie that doesn't have a sack in the league yet uh, is is getting and yeah it's still not excusing like oh well you know that's that's all that matters it, it doesn't and I think it'll come it'll just you know it's gonna it's gonna take a, take a couple of weeks here yeah, I can't wait for it though <laughs> exactly we'll we'll be screaming on our heads off when it does we appreciate the call buddy and uh, we appreciate you guys listening there's gonna be more uh, as we break down. San Diego and oh, see, I did it again. It's never. I mean, everybody's going to call them that, and they should be there it's because it's ridiculous. The Chargers, the Eagles. It's not a trap game, and we'll get into why it's not a trap game because it doesn't exist. It's the BGN Radio, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. The Chargers can't even get Chloe Kardashian to show up. Think about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what that is. Here the Eagles Chargers game here. Sunday at 4.05 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. 94 WIP FM HD1 Philadelphia. From the Tasty Cake Studios, this is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. There are only two teams in the NFL that have more 20-point games. Two! Since the start of 2016, since Doug Peterson's Eagles, that status courtesy of Howard Eskin. I can't believe that. How does that happen? That's what I'm saying. Like, how do they, how do they have those and only win, you know, nine games collectively out of that? 
Doug, Pierce, have- <laughs> Doug Peterson clearly holding the team back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah, obviously, right? Yeah, that's that's what's happening. Not not the personnel from last year, not the uh, not the, the continuing rotating. In. That's what I'm saying. Like, there is, I, I think that he really has held more together than, than, than he's been given credit for. It's what we've been talking about for the last... The last hour here on BGN Radio. I am John Barcher. That was Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com, the editor-in-chief over there. You can read and listen to us, uh, BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com as well. And I get it. I get that people are hesitant to listen. If you if you are defending Doug Peterson, then you are, you're probably like in the camp of like, wow, are you saying he's a good coach or whatever? Well, yeah, I guess, I guess you can put me in that group of people, but it doesn't mean that, you know, He's he has to stay here and like he's too important to let go or the relationship with him and Carson Wentz. He's he's definitely on the replaceable uh, block of of coaches. But again, um, unless there is something like a Sean McVay that's going to come through and be like this guy is is so much better at calling calling offensive plays and he's really creative and blah 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 blah. Then you know buckle in because I <laughs> as long as Doug continues to win football games or wins football games I should say he's not really continuing to do that they were they were coming off of a an, a, a mediocre season last year but if he if he wins I think he's going to be here and I know that's really simple and I think that's the only thing that is there the, this Eagles organization is really waiting for is that turn to if you're under 500 again then they'll move on I really do I didn't believe that last year but I think if he I think if he if he's below there then he's gone this year. I think the situation with Doug is that they hired him and he was not there for we know he wasn't their first choice. That's not even up for debate. They right. wanted other coaches. They wanted Ben McAdoo. They we think they wanted Adam Gase cuz they hired him yeah. twice. So I get it that like he's not this great thing that they have and I'm not trying to say otherwise and I think if they do have the opportunity to move on and get either some great head coach that's out there that they perceive like apparently last year when they were in the coaching search, they really wanted Harbaugh and they really wanted Sean Payton. And neither of those guys were actually available, but they were the they were, you know, the the aspirations for the Eagles to get. And I think, you know, again, Doug Peterson isn't this awesome guy that you have to keep and he's so integral. But I do think Doug has the chance to prove the Eagles wrong in the sense of maybe, hey, I should have been your first choice. I'm not saying he will. I'm saying he has that opportunity. And what he's done so far is good. It's not bad. I think if you had to rank Doug as a head coach, I think he's much closer to being average or above average than he is being one of the worst coaches in the NFL. 888-729-9494. Let's go to Matt in Lancaster. What's up, buddy? How are you? Yo, what's up, fellas? Oh, Yo. nothing much. Just uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the uh, Armageddon coming out of your mouth here. At least that's what I'm assuming. Oh, no. I'll, I'll be <laughs> passive. But... Uh, <laughs> No, you got me thinking, like, just before you guys came to me, I was thinking about, could you imagine, like, Jim Harbaugh, like, being the head coach here and then, like, retaining Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator and just, like, trying to live with all that drama from the missed handshake (laughs) after the game back in the day? Absolutely. Yeah, that would have been been interesting. Yeah. Not a tight locker room. Anyway, (laughs) um, no, I, I, so I can't decide if I like or dislike Doug. Uh, I feel like I dislike him more on game days, but I do have a problem with him. And it dates back to, and so you, this is a can of worms, you guys are going to hate this, but uh, <laughs> the the two-point conversion in Baltimore. You referenced it on the uh, pregame pod. And uh, the problem I always had with that is, because like, each of these things individually is like, okay, it's not really that big of a deal. 
he, I, he's aggressive. We like aggressiveness. I can get on board with that. Fine. But uh, that I was just like, okay, as long as, you know, he's doing this in a game that doesn't matter, that's aggression, like he's not going to play by the rules, that's fine. We don't really have anything to gain in this game. As long as he doesn't do it when it matters. And then I look at this, and I know you guys are all bent on these analytics. That's great. But <laughs> the fourth the fourth and eight from the 43, I'm like in a, in a one-score game with two and a half minutes left. I look at that situation with uh, the way the Giants' offense was and everything, and I'm just like, boy, that's really foolishly aggressive to me. And when I like kind of look back at all the things that Doug makes, I kind of seem to side with James Seltzer's opinion on this when he sees, says that, Doug doesn't really have a feel for what's going on, the finger but on the pulse of the so, game. So, man, that, to your point, listen, it is not about, like, just sticking with the analytics or having the spreadsheet there or whatever. The The problem, and the problem with football in general, has been, ooh, I'm, I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm just going to punt it away, even though the math says, actually, this is a pretty good opportunity to continue on, and your success rate of you hitting this is way more important, and there's so much, you know, Im- I'll use a poker term, implied odds if you hit that, uh, that it's it's so much better to go with that than 20 yards, uh, net yards, 30 net yards that you're gaining out of that. Because we're all assuming that those those 20 or 30 yards is what's going to hold the Giants from driving down the field and doing that, and that's not that's not accurate either. I like that you take the emotion out of those situations a lot of the time. It says, here's what the math says. And you go, okay, let's let's go and do it because most most coaches don't. And Matt, you'll remember the only reason why the Carolina Panthers made it to the Super Bowl is because they did that. That's what they did. And I think if most most coaches stopped doing that and the feel of the game and whatever, uh, they would win a lot more football games. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I, I actually don't remember that, but I believe you. <laughs> um, no, I guess I understand that. I do. But if if the math is always right like that. If that's always the way to go, then how come every coach in the league isn't doing that? And I hear everyone say, oh, well, Belichick has gone for it. And then I'm like, oh, you mean the best NFL coach all time with the best NFL quarterback all time goes for it on fourth down for midfield? Great. That doesn't mean that, like, Doug and his band of misfits should be doing it, too, just because the analytics sheet says so. You know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, and it's and it's personnel, and it's a lot of that, man. We appreciate the call, buddy, and thanks for uh, coming out to all our events and calling in all the time. I, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, personnel goes into that a lot. I mean, you're not going to do that with a bunch of ragtag guys. I mean, we saw a guy like Hugh Jackson just go with the math there with, with terrible personnel. Honestly, like some really horrendous play calls too. It's it's not, an, none of that is an exact science. There's not like this is the right way to do it or this is the right way to do it. More information is always good. And when you looked at the math in this situation, it didn't actually point to, like, Eagles definitely go for it. It was kind of more of a 50-50, and at that point, it was Doug's call to say, all right, let me apply the context. Let me figure this out. Because a lot of people say, oh, Doug isn't considering the situation. He was. He was thinking, oh, this offense is moving. We're running the ball, moving it through the air, and... Uh, the Giants defense isn't playing too well, and we've been stopping the Giants defense all game. And oh, by the way, if we even even if we just score a field goal here, even if we don't get the touchdown, that makes it a two possession game. And I'd much rather have that than we punt and all of a sudden, because that's the thing here. It's it's assumed for some reason, and you hit on it, John, that if the Eagles punt there, there's no chance the Giants get a touchdown. They could easily get a touchdown. You stall it, stall it with Sterling Shepard break off that big play. I get that. There's less of a chance because they have to drive a longer field, but there were still more than, I think it was like 240 or something around in, in the sec, in the quarter, and the Giants had two timeouts and the two-minute warning. So 
I just don't think it was some. Here's the thing. I'm not saying Doug Peterson's call was the most genius thing ever. That's the call, not. The, oh, the, I didn't. I hated the call. It's not the, the argument is and that Carson's it's, Carson's decision making on both those. Well, things. that's the that's thing. what you should criticize. He doesn't get enough blame in that. But the the thing here isn't that like the analytics say that it was such a great call and Doug's a genius. No one is saying that. The thing is that like all of the argument is that it's not the worst thing in the world, and the math shows that it is not the worst thing in the world. Sort of breaking news. Uh oh, we got sort of breaking news coming in. What do you got there, Bill? Uh, so Kirk Cousins had his his baby, <laughs> yes. and he named this thing Cooper Cousins. <laughs> no, <laughs> CC Cooper Cousins. Oh, what a loser! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Cooper Cousins, and Cooper. it was nine. It was nine pounds and six ounces. That's a large baby. Turn that around, and you have something that's very nice. Very nice. Very nice. You, know, you know what his nickname is? Huh. Uh, I think it's coupons. Oh, wow. <laughs> Cooper, Cooper, coupons, cousins. Triple C. Triple C. There you go. Yeah. And <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, nine pounds. Though. I guess congratulations to them. It's, uh, I, wish I, was, I wish we had the NFC least around for that one. I know. Plenty of, plenty of diapers Such you can buy that kid. Name. Cooper. Yeah. Cooper's never good. There's always like some rules like Cooper. I'm out on Cooper. Uh, Colby. Kind of back and forth with. Well, especially with the, the C into another C. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. The. It's not great. I'm also I'm also not a big fans of like Kyle and Tom and uh, John. John. John's too. John's. Uh, John's. Uh, there's too many of us. That's there's, why there's H O N's. There's O N's. There's <laughs> there's and especially in this building too. Like we can just you know interchange those things. I'm very glad I don't go by John. Even yeah. though my real name is John. Yeah. Jack. It's just a, a bleh name. I wish I was Jack. That's what I'm Jack's saying. At least name. it's a little. Di- yeah. Jack is. See, a good Jack. Name. Jack is like a it's a young man's name that people can be like, hey, you know, what's up, Jack? And then an old guy's name. Because like, there's a lot of Uncle Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it transcends everything. It does. It really does. So uh, congratulations to Cooper Coupon's cousins. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully your your dad continues on there. Yeah, and, and that's where and, and, and <laughs> I, I feel like those situations, they're like chasing flushes in, in poker. I keep coming back to that. I apologize. It's so dorky thing to say. But, like, if you have, you have 15 outs to, to hit a, you know, Flush on the river. You're 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 calculating all the what's in the pot. How much you have to get there? Are you are you three to one on your money? Are you doing all this? And that's that's those type of situations. So although it doesn't, I, I again, I just don't know why people want to be suddenly a college football team. Like that's that that's kind of how how that goes. A lot of the time is just like we're just going to back off and, and and do that. And listen, if you're t- if you're relying on like, well, the defense would have taken care of business there. They didn't. They didn't, they didn't even with the the added yardage doesn't make the defense play any any better. But one thing I will take out of what the Giants did to the Eagles defense last week is kind of how I think you should approach the San Diego Chargers a little bit offensively. And I've been begging for this for a long time anyway. But when your main strength and listen, I, I know that the hype is around Bosa. But when you're when you look at Ingram and you put that tape on, you're like, good Lord, how is this guy not being talked about enough? You know, he he should be in the upper echelon of those pass rushers when you talk about it. He's all over the place. I really do think it's it's tempo time. Like, that's how you neutralize all these guys. The San Diego Chargers have a, a weak linebacking core. They're they're down you know, a a, a corner or two. They're down very uh, so, yeah. Uh, and their safeties are bad. And they play this really odd like it even though and that's why they're terrible against the run, because they usually stack seven or eight in the box. They play a cover one. 
and then they go into this, if it ends up being, you know, the, the, the past or whatever, they go into this weird zone structure. There's holes all over the place. You can run and throw all over this team, and I think to neutralize the best thing that they do is to start out quickly. Pass or run doesn't really matter, but keep the tempo going here. Get a lot of those quick hitters to Zach Ertz. I mean, Zach Ertz is having a great start to this season. For as much as he's been criticized in the years past here, he is he's off to a really, really hot start, and I think it's kind of been funny because I think going into almost every week this season, they'll be like, oh, yeah, this is a Zach Ertz game. And they're pretty much all have been Zach Ertz games yeah. so far. And I don't think that's any different this week. I was talking to that Chargers writer, and he said he doesn't see how this team is going to cover Zach Ertz because, again, their linebackers aren't good. Their safeties aren't good. There should be opportunities there for Zach Ertz to get those targets that he has been getting from Carson. And he's been getting a lot of them. And I think that's what you need to do. You need to work the middle of the field here. And then you're going to have to pick your spots with those deep balls. You're, it's, you can't just drop back all day and, and hope for them because those pass rushers are going to get home at some point. But you could almost steal from the Giants playbook for a little bit here. I guess that's what you're suggesting, yeah. Johnny. And they went tempo, or they went not only so tempo, they did a little bit of that, but they everything, short passing game, ball out of Eli Manning's hands, and sometimes under than a second. So I think maybe the Eagles need to go to a little more of their quick-hitting offense at times in this game. Now, don't get upset, but maybe they should call some wide receiver screens. I'm just saying some swing passes uh, would be uh, would be welcome in this game. And I think along with Zach Ertz, it's time for Nelson Aguilar to shine hey. once again, baby. Uh, and, uh, and again, that's going to create a, a, a ton of different mismatches with their secondary if they're going to end up putting a safety, putting a slot corner on him, uh, then that opens up Zach Hurts. And if they don't do that and they try and transfer over and, you know, just like you said, I'd, great. I think either one of those guys are going to have a, a pretty big day as far as catches and yards go, and it kind of goes through them. I still think that, you know, they're going to look for that deep ball, and it's going to be there. It's going to be there at times and, like, wide open. So uh, th- that's why it's so weird that, we kind of identify this as, or a lot of the talk has been, oh, this is a this is a trap game. This is whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know why. I feel like we say that every week. It wasn't uh, that last week the trap game. <laughs> it's every week. It's, it's like week. if if the Eagles are are like if, the, if they're not an obvious favorite. So if they're entering the game, then like the Chiefs game, it's like oh they're going to lose. And then if they go into a, a team that they should beat, it's like oh it's a trap. And you just said it there, John. Everyone was saying last week was a trap game. I don't understand. How this game can be a trap game. I get the fact that they're coming off an emotional win, which is something that you usually attribute in a trap situation. But it's not like the Eagles were playing so well that they're go To me, when I think of a trap game, I think of a team playing really well. And I think about back to the 2013 Eagles when they were about to play the Vikings in Minnesota. And they had every reason to beat the crap out of that team. That team was missing Adrian Peterson. They had so many injuries. The Eagles were really hot at the time. And guess what? They It was a trap. They didn't show up. They took the Vikings way too lightly. And I don't think the Eagles are going to take the Chargers lightly here. I just don't see how they could when they're coming off a game against the Giants that wasn't super pretty. And they can't because they're because of the injuries on defense, too. I mean, like Fletcher Cox is not going to yeah. play in this game. So, so that means Timmy Jernigan and Brandon Graham and... And Derek Barnett, as Joel was putting up, they all have to step up here. There are guys in the secondary that you're just going like, okay, we're going to roll with this again. Thankfully, McLeod looks like he's, he is going to go. He's been practicing most of the week, limited, and then I think he did full as it got into Wednesday or got into Thursday practices. Uh, and you know, Jordan Hicks is going to be there, but again, like it always seems like he's a hit away from going down again. So oh. 
it, which is scary and, and awesome all at the same time. I think that they match up perfectly against this squad. And I don't know if that's enough to make me. I'm a, See, when I go and look at, and we'll get into it because Sean Brace is going to join us for the picks around 240 here. And we'll get into uh, the rest of the divisions and things like that. But still the east to west thing, I think, is um, is something that, no, that, that nobody really talks about. And when you look at what Washington did to the Raiders, that's, I mean, that's that. I mean, west to east, east to west, those, that affects teams for whatever reason. The time cycle, the... Whatever you, if people have been trying to counteract that forever, and it just doesn't work. And when you look at the Chargers team, and I know that, listen, they should. And I feel like we say this every year about the Chargers, no matter what. Since two thousand seven, since they went to the AFC Championship game, uh, you look at them on paper and go, these guys have enough talent to win, and they shouldn't be. They they shouldn't be zero and three. They shouldn't. I don't think they should be two and one either. But they should at least won one of those games. Throughout that, and I think Melvin Gordon is severely underrated because you look at his yards per carry, you look at its 3.8, 3.7, and then you look at the Chargers offensive line, you go, got it. He's creating his own yards throughout all of that. Uh, Phillip Rivers, again, I think has been and had a better career than Eli Manning. I think they won that a trade, and then unfortunately, Eli had a better defense and pulled a couple of passes out of his ass, and he's more celebrated. But it doesn't mean that this Chargers team is suddenly going to turn it on. I think it's it's all with what's what's drummed up there. It's ownership. It's how they treat their players. It's not putting – I mean, you lose Darren Sproles. You lose LT. There hasn't been any real replacements there. They constantly are fighting with their players over contracts. They, You know, it's all that. There's, there's a lot of recipes of success of why they aren't successful. But it's so weird to look at this team and go, like, they should be a lot better than than what their record is. The Chargers have lost eight games in a row now, too, John. They're, they haven't been a good team for a while. I think since I look back to like the 2014 season, uh, the last three games of that season, I think there's something like 10 and 21. Like they're just, they're not, they're not playing good. They haven't been playing good football for a long time now. And I think you look at this Eagles team right now, and they have some, you look at that Washington game. That was a really good win, especially down there in Washington. Washington, they they uh, they they blew out the Raiders. They went to Los Angeles to beat the Rams. Yeah, like that's a quality that looks like a quality win. They played the Chiefs down to the last play. I know, uh, there you know it, some of that was gar- quote unquote garbage time touchdown, but they sure. still played in the, they still played a good game against the Chiefs. And then the Giants, things weren't pretty, but at one point they were up fourteen to zero. So my point here is, it's not like the Eagles have, at any point this year played. Awful. I know they gave up a lot of points to the Giants in the fourth quarter, but it's a division game. The Giants are desperate. It's not like the Eagles just came out flat and just like, oh man, this team looks bad. So, and the Chargers have been that, and they've been that for a while. So that's how I'm feeling about that. We'll get more into it as uh, this thing goes along. Uh, NFL picks coming up about 20 minutes with Sean Brace. It's BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. I wonder what would happen if they do lose this game. What's the storyline if they lose this game? Is it fire dug immediately? So just like get this guy out of here. Well, I've seen enough already. They're two and two or whatever. And that's the other thing I can't figure out about this Eagles team. I mean, I I always came into this thinking nine and seven. And when people hear nine and seven, it's like oh, it's a boring answer. You're not really this way or that. You're gonna you know, put you know put the a line in the sand to make a decision. I, I, I still see that right now. I don't see, you know, even to your point, and it opened my eyes a little bit. It's like, oh, you know what? You're right. Maybe what if Washington is a, ends up being a good team this year? 
even though I doubted and I thought they were going to be in the basement. It's amazing how my prediction of New York and Washington has completely flipped from the preseason going into this. Maybe that's true, and maybe Kansas City is a good football team, and then you can just chalk up the Giants to like, well, that was a division game. That makes sense. They're, they're seasons on the ropes, so they're they're pulling out all the stops. But if they if they struggle against, and I think that's what we're looking for, I think we're looking for the Eagles just to absolutely obliterate somebody. First quarter to fourth quarter, seamless for the most part, and that's what we're looking for, I think, before we, we start getting a little more excited. Here, Especially right? on the road, too, just for being that team last year that was 1-7 on the road, and the only team they beat was the Bears, who were not very good, by the way, <laughs> and still aren't very good. That's a, a, a topic for another Glennon. time. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly better than Carson oh, Wentz. You know, what's, you know what's funny? Imagine, like, so I, I played this out, and I think I was having a conversation with somebody on, uh, oh, uh, Seamus Clancy, our good friend over there. Yes. Imagine having a guy like Mike Glennon, a.k.a. Uh, Sam Bradford, in front of that, and watching that when you just traded up for potentially your franchise quarterback. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is that. But, like, just sitting through a 35-7 to loss, and your head coach just goes, nope. Not gonna see him. You're, he's not coming in. He, now they might change that, and he he finally starts in in week four here. Uh, oh no, that it was their week four game. So week five. Imagine waiting five weeks of just going like this season is already at a loss, and you're not doing anything different. Imagine that happening. That was that was going to happen last season. I think you're being a little too hard on Mike Lennon here, John. Seeing <laughs> Faye oh, yeah. said that he you know, reminds him of Aaron Rodgers, so I think we should listen to CN here. Also, you should trade him for the most important pick, a second-round oh, pick. Yeah. The guy who is the uh, the guru of quarterbacks. Yeah, That's why you just you know throw your hands up in the air, man. You know, have, 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 uh, have some decency. And ESPN, seriously, hire somebody better than that guy. What an idiot. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, and that's where... You're hoping, and, and I think for the most part, we as Eagles fans want to look at this thing and go, just can we can we slam dunk Carson Wentz takes for one game when it comes to guys like that? And we haven't been able to do that yet. There have been times and flashes, you know, and it, and it keeps, oddly enough, it keeps happening in the first half. The Nelson Aguilar touchdown in the opening game, a little bit of magic there uh, last week against the Giants. I think that's the other thing that's here, too. As much as we talk about Doug, and you're right, we I, I think a lot of people hold back the criticism on Carson Wentz because of that and because it's so polarizing still, and I don't think you should be. I think that there are that fourth and eight play, is he's just as much at fault for that as the process, the play call. There were more. Up, there, I would there, say more. There, there, I mean, like he's the reason why it turned out the way it did. You took the sack. You can't take a sack there. You have to dump it off the blunt. There's a running lane there for you. It is make it the miniest, shortest punt ever if you know you're not going to get it, and at least they're on the 39, the 38, the 37. Yep. And, and you know, that's a, it's a significant chunk of yards there. So I don't know if I just gave them a first down with my terrible math, but in the, <laughs> in the same way where I, I just think that we need to see that to feel more confident about the season as well. You're absolutely right, John. We haven't had that definitive Carson Wentz game yet where he's just like, oh, man, he looks awesome. And every week isn't going to be like that. It's his second year. We don't need to see that every Like, he doesn't need to be Tom Brady every single game. It's not what we're asking and he's for. Not, listen, he's not going to be. Okay? Yeah. Put it, it, it that, that, that part's but over. He needs to have like a good, like a really good game. We need to be able to point to that game and be like, Carson Wentz is really good. Now, it's not like he's been bad so far this season. I think the Giants game was his worst game of the year. I don't think he looked... I mean, you look at the numbers. He had a 
point something passer rating. Uh, he didn't turn the ball over. He made the throw to Alshon Jeffrey. So he did some good things. Wasn't his best game. The Chiefs game, obviously the interception was a big mistake. Uh, the Washington game, he had an interception. Was a, these are tip passes, but yeah. still. And that's part of the thing. He's getting a lot of passes tipped. So we've seen the flaws. You have to put it in perspective because uh, there was a graphic going around on Twitter. I saw it from Kyle uh, Eagles Nest on Twitter who he matched up Wentz's performance against all the other no, similar opponents. The similar yeah. opponents and Wentz's numbers are right there. So he's not playing bad by any means. He's he's definitely, in, in some cases, he's playing a lot better. But it would just be great to go into, I almost said San Diego, yeah. great to go into Carson. That's where they're playing. Yes, there Carson, you go. Carson, California. <laughs> go to Carson, California and make it a Carson Wednesday. Come out with a great game. That would that would be the story. If they win this game and Carson Wentz has an awesome game on Monday, we're all talking about, oh, man, we feel good. Carson Lentz looks great. The Eagles are 3-1. and one. Let's go. Yeah, your Carson, get your Carson City t-shirts ready there. Yeah, and the darling of draft Twitter and all this has been Marcus Mariota, who has looked horrible this year. Like yeah, He hasn't looked up and down. anywhere near I, I, the player we thought he was going to be. I still said during the preseason that I would still want Marcus over Wentz because of that factor of, you know, having a, a little more uh, a faster clock and taking care of the ball a little more, doing all that stuff. Jameis Winston's the same. He's been kind of up and down. I know it's only been, uh, you know, a couple of games for those guys as well, but, like, it's amazing to me that the, that, that still happens. Like, whoa, these guys are struggling too. And they're in their third years here. You know, we're talking about guys, and when we were talking in the offseason of what is Carson Wentz going to cost by the time it gets to – what was it, 2021 or 2020 when uh, when all those rookie contracts are up and, you know, resetting the, the QB market and with Matt Stafford getting paid. Obviously, we keep saying that every year, and that's not true, but like, it's it's really interesting how people view those two guys as like, oh, yeah, they've got it. And I do agree. I'm not I'm not saying that, oh, they're, they're terrible quarterbacks now. I still think they're very talented. It just, listen, with offensive line pay, it took Tennessee a long time to – to get that together, it took a it took a little bit for Tampa Bay to get the all the right weapons for what they need, and that's still happening here. And honestly, Carson's performing pretty well considering the conditions that he's been under thus far. Yeah, I think we need more patience. I always look at it as you, John. You were just talking about it with the Glennon and the Trubisky situation. This was supposed to be Carson's first year. He played last year. That happened, but I'm saying this was supposed to be his first year. So it's not like they expected him to come in right away and be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, if ever, at least very at the at the very the, the least right away. So I think it's going to be a situation where he needs time. And the important thing isn't that he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, if he did, that's awesome. That's great. We'll take yeah, it. Absolutely. But the important thing is he's making progress. And I think we can say when you look back to last year, I think we are seeing development. Some of the things that don't even show up in the stats, one of the bigger stories coming out of this game is how Carson was really in control of that offense, and it's not just Doug Peterson calling the runs. You know, sometimes it's Carson Wentz seeing, you know, reading the field, looking at the defense, and saying, all right, we're going to check out of this play, and we're going to run this, and they ran the ball effectively. So that doesn't show up on the stat, stat sheet, but that's something he certainly deserves credit for. And certainly, you know, and we've, we've talked about it before, Fran Duffy th- throwing that up and, like, amazing recognition that he saw the same thing there. Going back to the Seattle game yeah. from last year, same route. Uh, same thing with Alshon Jeffrey. Marcus Peters is there. He eats it. He goes and gets three or four yards, moves on to the next play. Those are what you want to see, and I, I don't think that happens a lot of the time. Let's go quickly to Barry in Nottingham. What's going on, Barry? How are you? I'm fine. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Hey, um, my, my only thing is it's like 
I think we're basically 19 games into Doug Peterson and Carson's career. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. They also brought in like two different receivers, which those guys did not even get any. Okay, fine. He took them out to North Dakota. So they were out there like running around, like practicing and stuff like that. But the negativity to me is is really like bothering me in that you, you everybody wants everything like right now. Yes. This guy in five years could be like who who knows what what this team is going to be in five years. But it's like we're not even giving them the opportunity to to grow. Basically, like like I said to the producer. It's like putting a 16-year-old in the car, okay, go out and drive. And if you're going to tell me the first time they go out and drive, everything is going to be perfect, (laughs) I will call you a liar because it doesn't happen like that. And it's like, it's just driving me out of my mind. Yeah, and and, and absolutely, Barry. And Sorry, we're just up against the break. We want to get as many people in here as possible. But it's it's the same thing, too. It's just not in – there are so many different examples of quarterbacks – trying to get to where they're getting to in their second and third years. And for some reason, it doesn't apply to this guy. Even with And, I, and at the same time, I, I'm not saying like you shouldn't criticize Wentz. You absolutely should. I think we hold back way too much when we go, oh, my God, that was a terrible throw. That's a bad decision. Those things are true, but it doesn't mean that overall, because of that, he's a terrible quarterback. People make mistakes here. Ooh, Bears fan on the line real quick. Let's go to Brian and Upper Darby. What's going on, Brian? What's going on? What's going on? Listen, I'm going to just lay it out there right now. I've been a Bears fan all my life. I live in Philadelphia. I'm from Philadelphia. Mike Glennon is terrible. Yes. Terrible. Mitchell Trubisky needs to be in there. I guarantee when that pocket collapses, Mitchell Trubisky wouldn't even be there. He'll be running, getting the first down or passing the ball off the run. He is terrible. Mike Glennon, I watched him the first series. I said, I cannot believe this is going on. Why is he even still in the game? I want to pick him out right after that. And, and it's extremely – Brian, it's so frustrating. I just wanted to get you in there real quick because that's that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, imagine going through that last year. I'm, I'm glad that they uh, – that, you know, Bradford ended up getting moved and uh, I still feel bad for Teddy Bridgewater. But uh, thank God we're not going through that right now. Uh, when we get back, we will get – the NFL picks with Sean Brace right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. The Chargers are the Johnny Drama of Los Angeles football. Uh, maybe you recognize me. No. Hear the Eagles Chargers game here Sunday at 4.05 on Sports Radio 94 WIP. This is BGN Radio on Sports Radio 94 WIP. <laughs> It is BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. I don't want to waste any time because this man is beautiful, pretty, and uh, I like to call him uh, my friend. It is Mr. Sean Brace from Fox 29, also phillyinfluencer.com. Sean, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Gentlemen, looking (laughs) forward to getting back after it. What a game last week. I can't wait to see what the Eagles got in store for us tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our uh, biggest condolences, my friend. I know that you... uh, you uh, you had a big piece of uh, of you that, that got lost today, and we want to make sure that everybody knows uh, what you're trying to accomplish now, Sean. Yeah, man. Hearts and thoughts are all in the right place, and I appreciate it. My father passed away last Thursday, uh, a week ago, to uh, Alzheimer's. So 
all I ask right now, guys, is that uh, when you see an opportunity to volunteer or help and there's an uh, Alzheimer's walk that's come assist as Bank Park on November the 11th, please volunteer and uh, think of my hero, my father. Absolutely. The walk to end uh, Alzheimer's is uh, is out there and there's... Uh... Uh, they they are they're trying to reach their goal. They have a they have a very lofty goal at one point seven million dollars. So definitely go check that out. Google that. And uh, Sean, we're with you the entire way, man. We'd love to join in along with you. So with that being said, let us get to the NFL picks. It's time to ring the bell. Here come the BGN Radio NFL picks on Sports Radio ninety four WIP. And as always, the NFL picks are brought to you by the Casino at Delaware Park. The Sportsbook at Delaware Park is where you can wager and watch all the pro football games on Sunday. Just go over to DelawarePark.com for more details. Delaware Park is a lottery agent of the Delaware Lottery. You must be 21 to play, but you don't got to be 21 to watch. Jack Fritz, where are we heading to first, my friend? All right. First, we are headed to Kansas City, where Andy Reid has already started packing that weight back on that he lost <laughs> this offseason. And the Kansas City Chiefs are seven-point favorites over the racist team. Yeah, I, I think that I really like the Chiefs in this game, and the line's a little high for me for them being at home. But, uh, Sean, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, and I'm going to take the points there. Where are you at with this one? Oh, we're opening up with the winner. Ring the bell! Oh, there it is! <laughs> I have I've flip-flopped so much on Kirk Cousins. It's ridiculous. I, I, I now think he's a good quarterback again. Uh, you know, what a win last week against the, the Raiders. I think the Redskins are a little bit better than what we think they are. Yeah, that's what so we were I'm just gonna, saying. I'm going right. to take the points on the road. Give me the skin. I keep betting on the NFC East teams in order to jinx them, or at least <laughs> if they if uh, they do win, at least I was right. So I have to take Washington here. I think seven, that's a big difference. They, there could be a backdoor cover there. I'm taking the points. Jack Fritz, who do you like in this one, pal? I actually like the Chiefs because the line's so big, and I think the public's going to take Washington, and I like being against the public. As <laughs> there we go. So it's another uh, another dogfight, two versus two. Uh, where are we heading next to, sir? All right, we are headed to Dallas, where Jason Garrett just got done scaring some neighborhood kids, and <laughs> <laughs> Dallas is six-point favorites. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, Sean, who do, you, who do you like in this one, pal? Well, yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, unfortunately. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, they got Zeke going a little bit there. Uh, I, I think there's some camaraderie, the unity, all that stuff, us against the world mentality. Give me the boys. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't go against it either. I'm taking the Cowboys as well. I'm taking the Cowboys. I mean, anytime Dak Prescott can throw 18 times a game, I mean, like, when he's carrying the team like that, you just how could you bet against <laughs> the Cowboys? Yeah, and I mean, there's too much goodwill around this Rams team. Everyone's like, well, Jared Goff's maybe not this bad. Yeah. And all this, and it's just going to crashing down this weekend. Come on. Yeah, I would kind of like to see that maybe for all of the, uh, here comes Jared Goff, and is Jared Goff better than Wentz now takes, and they can just come to a crumble. Where are we heading to next there, Fritz? All right, we are headed to Tampa Bay, where, this is weird, but Ben McAdoo also just got done scaring some kids. (laughs) (laughs) Tampa is three-point favorites. Uh, I really, listen. For the same reasons that I'm, I'm, I, I, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Like it is really hard to lose four straight games in the NFL, but the Giants are going to do that, baby, because Tampa's going to kick their ass. Sean, I love Tampa in this one. Yeah, I wish I could ring it, but I'm not going to here. <laughs> I like Winston to bounce back. Had a terrible performance against the Vikes, three interceptions. I like him to step up and pick that Giants defense apart. Give me the Bucks. So you know what my logic has been here so far? Picking the NFC East teams, I can't do it. <laughs> the Giants suck. They're going to go to 0-4. And, and here's where you are all wrong. Oh, man. Oh, 
Jets ringing the bell on us. The Giants are obviously going to win this game. It's, it's This line makes absolutely no sense. People are going to hammer the Bucks just like you buffoons are going to do. <laughs> and the Giants are going to come out a win. And and then the more Jameis Winston is actually bad takes are going to start taking over the oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, we could, we welcome that maybe a little bit then there. Uh, well, let's get to the game that really matters here, Sean. I mean, uh, I, I think there's been a lot of like, well, on paper, the Chargers are this and they're that. And it's kind of the same way as they're they're looking like uh, the, the New York Giants team here, except they don't have a secondary to, to kind of hold these guys up. What is uh, what's your feel on this lines at two and a half uh, uh, for the Chargers? And I think I open at minus one. So it's a little little bit of a fishy line, as, uh, as Fritz might say. But um, who do you like in uh, on Sunday? I can't wait to see what Doug Peterson does. And if he runs the football, has that mentality where he says, you know what, we're going to get 20, 25 carries, no ifs, ands, buts about it, challenge the offensive line. They go out to, I almost said San Diego there. I almost said San Diego there. (laughs) They go out to L.A. and come home with a victory. Give me the birds. Yeah, I just don't think this Chargers team really is all that great. Uh, They've lost eight games in a row now. I do like the Eagles here getting the points. I think they should be favored, so I I love the points here. I think even if the Eagles don't win this game, I think at the very least it'll be close. I'm taking the Eagles. All right, this is going to be the lamest ring the bell ever, but ring the bell. No! It's too weird. It's just I don't... Listen, it's the east to west thing. I, I'm I'm very staunch when it comes to that. You saw what happened when the Raiders did it. They didn't look like a football team when it happens. There's been a history of just odd football games between these two. I I listen. I agree. The Eagles match up perfectly against these guys. I w- I would love to see them just absolutely destroy this team for whatever reason. I, the line is scaring me enough to go. Okay, this seems like a Chargers win by a field goal here, Jack Fritz. And I am in complete agreement with you, John. <laughs> They're going to lose. They're just gonna, it's going to be one of those games that's going to be the, one of the most frustrating losses of the season. Two and a half makes no sense. Uh, I don't think a Fletcher Cox injury jumps at a point and a half. There's no way. Two and a half points. And this is just going to be a nightmare of a game. Eagles lose by like three. Now, if, uh, if I'm wrong here and Jack's wrong, then we are going to bet against the Eagles until that trend dies out, too, because I, I feel like I can juice a lot of that stuff up. A nightmare of a game. I don't know if I should tune in. I'm scared. <laughs> I just, just sloppy. It's going to be because, like, you know, 2005, that was really weird. Uh, McNabb played really awful, and uh, I can't remember. Some dude just blocked a, blocked a field goal, and it bounced right yep. back to him. They ran all the way down. 2013, high scoring, lots of penalties, lots of different things that are going on there. I just don't like uh, I, I never like these matchups here. But I do like when I see Sean Brace on TV and uh, when I hear him on his podcast. Where can we find you next, sir? Oh, you're too kind. Tonight, uh, back at a Fox 29 College wrap-up show. And, of course, tomorrow, after the Eagles, myself, G. Cobb, uh, Sports Sunday, Fox 29. Beautiful. Sean, we appreciate it, buddy. We love you, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, So that is going to wrap up the show. We've got our good friend, who's normally here with us, James Seltzer, hanging in for Tank today. With Tank today, I should say. No Rob Cherry. So we are buckling in for that one. Uh, final thoughts as we're heading out here, BLG. Go Eagles. Go Birds. Uh, that's going to do it for us, and we appreciate everyone tuning in. This has been BGN Radio right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP.